This, this is Soccer in the Loop with Brendan Weesey and Matt Baker. Brought to you by Royal Banks of Missouri and the Pitch Athletic Club and Tavern. Exclusively on the Soccer Boys in St. Louis, the Big 550 KTRS. Busy day, Soccer in the Lou. Welcome in. I'm Brendan Weesey. Matt Baker with me here in a little bit. I'm down at training today. We're going to have a chance to hear from head coach Bradley Carnell. Right now, a chance to check in with one of the newest members of St. Louis City SC, former member of the D.C. United, and I think a key piece to this upcoming squad. It's Chris Durkin. Chris Durkin is with us as uh, training wraps up on this Tuesday. Chris, uh, man, we're a few weeks into the uh, into camp here before a week away from the first game. Just tell me what have things been like for you with uh, with your new club here in St. Louis? Yeah, um, really excited to be here. Um, the the team has been great. Um, coaching staff extremely welcoming. Um, I tried to uh, immerse myself as quick as possible just to get to know everybody. Um, but really, really enjoying it so far. What what did you notice from afar about this club? last year I, that I mean obviously you're you're immersed in your own thing but I'm sure what what happened in St. Louis had to grab your attention what what did you make of of this club's first year from afar yeah I think um you know just seeing the uh the energy behind the team uh the crowd uh from afar looked amazing seeing the the home field advantage that that these guys had and um I'm a sucker for an underdog story so I love seeing that uh you know winning the first five games um is incredible and uh yeah I can resonate with that underdog story so it was awesome to see them um you know go all the way to the end and get first place in the western conference your 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 story we got to go back to the mid-atlantic states right grew up in 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 virginia correct yes what what were your youth soccer days like when did you when did you learn that you might have a skill to uh to play at a higher level yeah um you know started really young at the age of three my dad put a ball on my feet um you know just to my 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 uh love for the game is just rooted from a young kid and um you know, it started off with, you know, a lot of hard work and then progressing into eventually making it to the U-17 national team with John Hackworth. And then that's when I really felt like, hey, I can make something of this. Um, so that was, um, you know, incredible and, um, you know, happy to be here with him again at Hackworth. So um, it's funny how soccer is such a small world. That had to be a, at least a part of the club's interest in you, right? For somebody like John Hackworth that had worked with you at a younger age, was did you did you feel like that connection was uh, was a reason, at least part of the reason why you're here? A hundred percent. You know, Hackworth and Indy Vasilev and Akil Watts, um, knowing a bunch of guys is really helpful. We're visiting with Chris Durkin, the one of the newest members of St. Louis City SC. Uh, how easy is it for you to acclimate? with a new group of guys um it's easy if the guys are welcoming and um that's what this group has been um extremely welcoming and you know i've tried to uh, immerse myself as well um but you know when you guys have guys like tim indy um berkey ben Lunt, these guys have a lot of uh personality and it really helps what are what are some of the challenging aspects of of jumping right into training and and being a guy that this club might count on quite a bit right what what are some of your challenges as you ramp up to next tuesday yeah just continuing to to learn the system um it's a new system that going against a couple of um you know habits that i have but um i i love to learn i'm a uh always want to be a student of the game so learning the the system as quickly as possible and i've picked up a ton so 
um, I'm really happy with how my progress has been going. Does that does a lot of that come from film work? Does it come from just getting the reps in out here on the on the training field? Yeah, it comes from film, comes from reps, comes from uh, talking with uh, Bradley, um, and the assistant coaches, talking with the captains, uh, everything. It, it requires a whole group to get it to happen. When when you heard the trade, and and you heard you'd be coming to St. Louis, was it excitement first coming from DC United, where where you you know you've again you've got some roots out there in, in the Mid Atlantic region? Uh, what were your range of emotions when it first went down? Yeah, it was um, a bit of surprise um, and uh, a little bit of added. Uh, hecticness with uh it was a week before my wedding so (laughs) it was a lot but um i'm one that you know really enjoys uh, a new opportunity and i think i thrive in new new opportunities so i'm excited for it and um you know when you see a stadium like this and fans like we have it's something to be excited for are you and your wife here now or have you been able to to move to st louis yet yeah, my wife lives in Germany right now playing professional soccer as well. Um, but uh, I've moved in now. Um, really excited with the area that I'm in and um, really loving the city so far. I mean, fascinating. So your wife's playing professional soccer. How often are you, are you guys able to see one another? Yeah, well, we won't be seeing each other for around five months, but um, it's tough. But, um, you know, I'm really proud that she's living out her dream. I'm living out mine. So uh, both of us can't complain. And, and, and your wife's name? Uh, Samantha. That's that's awesome, and uh, congratulations to you and Samantha. That's uh, an incredible story. So, looking ahead to next week, you guys start this off, Champions Cup. What what does this challenge provide you guys? Kind of right out of the box, knowing that hey, you, you, you're starting to play for a trophy right away, first game. Yeah, it, it emphasizes that um, feeling of you know we need to win uh, right away. It's uh, a win or you're out. We, I know we have two games, but. Um, you know, we're excited for that opportunity. It's sped up everything in preseason, um, but I've enjoyed that. And it's my first time in this tournament as well, so super excited. Chris, we uh, certainly appreciate your time. Welcome to St. Louis. Best of luck next Tuesday, and uh, welcome to St. Louis. Thank you so much for having me. Chris, appreciate the time, and uh, we'll look forward to checking in with you here down the line. When we come back, Matt Baker with me in studio. A lot to dig into after this. Soccer in the Lou on the Big 550. Now, more Soccer in the Lou with Brendan Weesey and Matt Baker on the Big 550 KTRS. Brought to you by Royal Banks of Missouri and the Pitch Athletic Club and Tavern. Busy night, Soccer in the Lou here on the Big 550 KTRS. Later on, you're going to hear from head coach Bradley Carnell, a a little double-up interview with Tom Timmerman and myself talking to Coach earlier today. You heard from Chris Durkin in our first segment. I want to welcome in the host of Flavor Footy Podcast that uh, you can download anywhere you download your podcast. And, of course, you can hear it weekends and game night here on the Big 550 KTRS. Matt Baker with me in studio. Hello, Matt. Hello, Brendan. Happy to be with you. Yeah, good to have you here on the one-week marker in front of, you know, as as we talk here, we're kind of in the final minutes of the match next Tuesday night at City Park. It looks like the weather is trending to be pretty doggone nice, as we know, in mid-February. We're kind of in that zone in St. Louis where... If you can dream up a weather scenario, it's basically possible this month. Could be warm, could be borderline hot, could be cold, could be snowy, could be somewhere in between. But I'd say a game time temperature of 49, 50 degrees next Tuesday. And I'm, and it's still super early, but I feel like that's a possibility. If that's the case, chilly, but more than manageable. I'd say 
above normal temps next Tuesday is the way things are looking. Easily. And this is a team who, from last year, they played in all kinds of conditions. They played in storms. They played in wind, rain, yeah. sun, clouds, freezing. And and they, they figured out how to play in St. Louis weather. That's It's going to be exciting for the first match to be relatively nice for fans, I think, first and foremost. I think that's going to add to the intense environment that we hope, and we talked about it last week, that you want this first match, even though it's not an MLS regular season match, to really set the tone and set the stage for everything that's going to come. And a a 50-degree weather at kickoff, partly cloudy, clear skies, no rain, you really can't ask for much more in February in St. Louis. So something I asked Coach today is we kind of look big picture stuff, Matt, for next week because MLS regular season – course kicks off a week from Saturday um, I asked them just as coach about you know looking back to last year and how abruptly the season ended and you really didn't have a chance in the league's cup to prioritize it because of how the regular season had gone I'm curious what what you want to see from this group and we've talked a little bit about this uh, with us here over the last few weeks but what these matches could tell us in, in kind of a knockout round format. Now, it's not single elimination right away. It becomes single elimination later on in the tournament. But just having this this opportunity early to prioritize these games and, and just to see how this team reacts and responds in a, in a tournament setting that they're going to have to be better in next October and November if if they want to win an MLS Cup, no matter, hopefully, no matter where they're in the playoffs and kind of assuming they're in the playoffs, but just throwing that out there for right now, what this team really didn't uh, capitalize on last year, I want to see them capitalize on it in these first couple of months in this uh, in this tournament. You could make an argument that as good as St. Louis City's season was in 2023, in big games where they needed to come up big, whether it's a cup or a playoff moment, they didn't. Yeah, and yep, and yep. so we look at the regular season of you want to win a playoff game and that's a big moment. But we're talking about a club who in their in their first season was 1 and 3 in cup competitions. They won a US Open Cup match, they lost one against the Fire, and then they lost two League's Cup matches. And then in the playoffs they lost two. So this is a team who doesn't have a relatively small but a history of success in these types of big game moments. I've got one in five there. If, if yeah. Doing my math Counting right, be one in five. <laughs> yeah, and so that's something that Bradley Carnell is probably looking to get get off of their shoulders. You know, it's it's got to be a chip they're carrying onto this. And the silver lining is when St. Louis has a chip on their shoulder, when they can type themselves up in bulletin board material, they have proven uh, that they can perform. And that's from all of last season with the predictions and in just the way that this team is able to hype themselves up. And that's the intensity that I expect them to take into this first match because they don't have to worry like some other MLS teams have, and we've seen it already, playing Liga MX teams or playing teams who are in form. They're in the middle of their season. They've, they've gotten a few weeks under their season already, and they are ready to go from that perspective. They're playing another MLS team who is not going to be going into this 100%. So the playing field is even. There's all the opportunity in the world to focus on this in conjunction with the MLS regular season. Because we, we also talked that they've learned how to, I believe they've learned, or they have a different perspective at least, of what an MLS regular season takes, what it takes to be successful at the end of the day where you want to be successful. And part of that is 
you can start strong, but you have to finish strong. And if they can start strong in CONCACAF Champions Cup and at least be middling at worst in the MLS regular season for the first couple of months, I don't think anybody's going to trade that off. Where do you see what, where, where would be a good finish for them in this tournament from your perspective? Quarters? A good finish. I think um, a great finish would be quarters. If they can make it past the Columbus crew, that would be a marked victory for them. And this is a not just from getting to that point in the in the playoffs and in the tournament bracket because that would be uh, an achievement in and of itself for a second year club. But getting past Houston, who is not a bad team by any stretch of the imagination, right. they were a playoff team. They fought St. Louis hard twice last year, and then getting past Columbus that is that is the huge hump that awaits them on the other side of this first round matchup if they move on. Not just because of what Columbus did to St. Louis last year in League's Cup, not just because they won MLS Cup last year, but this is a perennially good team. This Columbus Crew team is consistent in their success in MLS. They've won MLS Cup two of the past four years, I believe, and so two of the past five years. And so when you have this, it's an opportunity to knock off one of the Goliaths in MLS. Three matches. And what's going to, what, roughly come to three matches in about eight days, I think, to start it off with uh, with Champions yep. Cup, MLS, and then back to Houston for Champions Cup then the following week and a very quick turnaround from the Saturday game. If we're in the middle of the season and you've got some tread on those tires, so to speak, I think three games, eight matches, big day. But you're still ramping up to where you want to get to from a certain fitness level, right? So I, I think talking about these three matches in a condensed window, it, it is it is worth monitoring. It's the third match that really gives me pause because in the in the matches we saw last year, three matches in eight days, you saw windows where there was a game on Wednesday and Sunday or Tuesday and Saturday. If you have that length, that's not unmanageable. You can turn around some guys pretty quickly, assuming that they're in form and fit, now, the beginning of the season is where you have a little bit of a pause because they don't have their, their game legs under them. They're right. not seasoned into the regular season, so you have to monitor that. And this this club does have a, a good uh, sports fitness staff in that getting players back and, and regenning them and turning them around. So from a Tuesday to a Saturday, that's one thing. I think we can see some consistency in that type of a lineup. But it's going from Saturday to the next Tuesday where you're going to start to see some rotation. And the question's going to be, do you push it for the MLS regular season and, and that match against Real Salt Lake, or do you rotate a little bit in that and save some of your legs for the second match against Houston? And I really think we're not going to have a better idea until we see what the result is next Tuesday. Yeah. Let me ask you about, we've talked about Leuven and, and Nielsen going to get their green cards, and Leuven was back today, saw him there, looked to be in good spirits, uh, trained with the team, looks... I'd say, is he good to go for what you'd normally earmark him for next Tuesday? Probably not. And, and Nielsen is not back yet. And I think Coach intimated maybe later this week, I think there's a, a, an, an expectation he will be with the team when they kick off Tuesday. I, I wonder if he'd be able to play. But short term for a guy as important as Leuven, Matt, some concern there? I would be more concerned had I not been impressed with what Chris Durkin's been doing on the field in preseason. Now, 
taking a step back because I'm not trying to compare Edu Leuven to Chris Durkin yet. Edu Leuven brings some qualities on the field that just can't be replicated by others on this team. And so it will be felt. I, I think that goes without saying. It will be felt without Leuven if he's not able to go full 90 next Tuesday. But we do have a strong midfield now that is able to pick up some of those steps. We can run Chris Durkin and Jabulu Blom together. We can run Tomas Ostrak and Jabulu Blom together. You know, Ostrak has played the eight a couple times in this preseason because Leuven has been out. And he he's performed well and he's performed serviceably, I would argue. I don't think we're, we're losing too much in that aspect. And this also allows us to keep a guy like Indiana Vasilev more towards the attacking front. If and, and that's been consistent this preseason is that Carnell has kept him up there, which that's a byproduct of the additional depth that we have in midfield. So without Leuven, I'm confident in who we'd be able to throw out there based on what I've seen glimpses of in this preseason. But there's truly no box-to-box player we have right now at the level of Eddie Leuven. You're excited about Dirk, and we, we heard from him earlier here in the program. Young guy, and uh, it looks like he is, you get a sense he's really enjoyed uh, getting to um, getting to work with some of the guys and, and, and feeling like there is, a, I think, a quick acclimation process for him. But talking about you know his ability to, to be somebody that you can count on in a spot where maybe Leuven isn't available, where, where do you see Durkin's impact ultimately being with this team Matt, when when everybody's at full strength, I think initially the thought is Durkin would be a complement to Jabulu Blom at the six, our pivot and the, the defensive midfield position. He was brought in with a lot of experience from DC United. He had played an overwhelming amount of starting with them and starting with them in that position. And so we, when we talked to Jabulu Blom earlier this year, he did say him and Durkin play the same position. And so that's where I, I see him fitting in long term. But he does have box-to-box qualities that Jabulu Blom hasn't shown, at least hasn't shown last year. Yeah. And Durkin also has some pretty good off-the-ball capabilities, being able to find space. And, and that's not just on set pieces where he showed in the preseason that he has a laser leg when it comes to being able to score from outside the box. That's, that's a good quality, but that might not come around too often. What I like from Durkin is his flexibility and what he can do in the midfield. Oftentimes when we saw Durkin and a guy like Tomas Ostrak or Durkin and Jose Kojima in the preseason, they were alternating who would come and who would stay back. It was a double pivot where one of them would play the eight and the other six, but they were interchangeable. And Durkin, as that kind of interchangeable player, he can drop back with Blom when he needs to. He can move up instead. Blom doesn't typically do that. Or if he's playing with Edu Leuven, he can stay back as he needs to. So there's a lot of flexibility, and his skill with the ball is one of the more impressive things and how he can help us progress the ball a little more intentionally and look back. Decision-making is a, a skill of his. It's a strength. And so that, that benefits City when we're trying to be a little more intentional in possessing the ball or at least working the ball around as opposed to just sending the ball like we typically did last year. We've talked a little about the impact. You mentioned Kojima throw McSorley in there as well, two of your draft picks. And and I threw it out there just without even looking at one player or the other and what they can do, but the fact that last year Owen O'Malley, your, 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 your top draft pick, did not factor into this team at all. I was curious, okay, how does this team utilize players that come directly from the super draft because we didn't get a good enough inclination of that from O'Malley last year. It would certainly appear, 
as if both Kojima and McSorley during camp have done enough to open the eyes of the staff and certainly us as the observers that these two guys could both be impact guys now and and maybe on the first team? It's not out of the realm of possibility, and it's much more likely than it was this time last year. Yeah. And that, that's exciting from what our scouts can pull from the Super Draft, and they don't have to develop players. They can still use some of these MLS tools that might not be as popular now as they used to be or that are necessary now because of academies and how well-developed those are. But I think Kojima and McSorley are also beneficiaries of circumstance here. O'Malley was almost a victim of circumstance, and we still don't know the full story of what happened with him. But on the flip side, you have guys like Edu Leuven and Joachim Nilsson going back for their green cards. So that opens slots. And Kojima and Michael Wenzel took advantage of that to see first-team minutes in the preseason. Right. And then in the attacking front, sending Nico Joachini out on an outgoing transfer opened up a forward spot where if you have two striker formations, you need to bring in a, a, another striker, and that was McSorley. He filled, fit that bill well after proving himself in training going into it. And what they've done, those two, Kojima and McSorley, have taken their opportunities given, given to them and ran with it. And they, they played well with... Others around them. I think yeah. Kojima and Durkin played well when they were together. You had McSorley and Caden Glover, two youngsters who were thrown into the fire, so to speak, and played well with guys like Thorson and AZ Jackson behind them. So I would not be surprised to see an impact to City at some point for these players. Kojima I'm most interested in just by lieu of the way we acquired him. We didn't have a first-round super draft pick. We intentionally bought into the first round with GAM, 75000 so we had down, a down payment on Kojima, who we yeah. targeted. And then after taking him, he would take up an international slot, and they knew that going into it. So you're talking about long-term thought processes of what this guy would cost your organization because you believe in his mental ability, his physical ability, and what he can bring to your team in the long term. Because don't forget, Lutz's eye is always to the long term. Right. And what, what Kojima can bring may start out at City 2. But we've seen enough that I'm confident if he hasn't earned a first-team contract now, he could easily earn one by playing for City 2 for a little bit. Certainly trending up, and it, and it does beg the question. I've been thinking a lot about this because having not we, – we've gotten to see a few of the preseason games televised, and we've gotten a, a, a pretty good sample size there. But from what we've been able to see, Matt, we probably give – City a pretty high grade for what they've done on the field in preseason, but it begs the question, how much can we really take from that, and can we translate the strong play in the preseason, strong play in the preseason matches to that going over to uh, when they uh, when they go for real here in a week? The one area of concern that I have from City based on preseason is the striker position. And that's it's kind of funny to say that because of what we have available at the striker position and what we saw last year. Klaus and Sam Adeneron leading that line. Sending out Nico Joachini, yeah, it, it has an area where we have 2,000 minutes and 10 goals we need to replace, but I don't think anybody doesn't think Sam Adeneron can't step up and do that or that a healthy Klaus for the season can't fill those, those shoes. Right. What we saw in the preseason is success on the back line, success in the goalkeeper position, obviously, success with our fullbacks, our new fullbacks. I was impressed by them. Thomas Totlin, most notably, had a really good camp, I felt. 
Our midfield is now deeper and more improved and better than it was last year. And we've had some consistency in our attacking midfielders. Whether you call it a 4-4-2 or a 4-2-2-2, AZ Jackson, Indiana Vasilev, Salio Pompeu, Nukvi Thorson. Those guys have separated themselves in these kinds of positions where we're not asking them to move up too high, fill a role that they might not be comfortable with, move back in the field because you need to fill a midfield spot because you're not deep enough there. They're being given the freedom to own the, that area in the midfield. And we we saw success in the preseason in some of the chance creations that can occur when you're connecting those three lines, the back line to the midfield to our attacking wings. It's really production from our strikers that was lacking in the preseason. And I, I don't necessarily view that as a harbinger of things to come because they're going to get their act together. They're going to score. Right. I'm not worried about that. It's just the one thing we didn't see in preseason. So if you're looking at how much excitement and how much uh, positive things you could take into the regular season based on that, I look at it as nothing but a positive in that regard. I'm not concerned about our strikers. They'll round into form like they did last year. The, the talent is there. They'll produce. But we're seeing so many positive things from each line behind them that – if Bradley Carnell's mindset of trying to work with the ball instead of purely against the ball is going to have any kind of success, I think it does with the way that these guys have been playing. And it's shown it, – it could show City fans a very different way that this club can win when they're put up against a low block, and we're likely to see that early in the season. Matt Baker with me in studio. Of course, flyover footy heard right here on the Big 550 KTRS a week from tonight – Opening match of the Champions Cup will commence down at City Park. So I'm sure this is a question you guys have been tackling a lot, and I, I don't think I've we've gone as direct as to ask Matt your thoughts. Breakout player for 2024 from this group, excluding Leuven, excluding Klaus. We assume they've already they've already emerged. And then there are guys obviously close to that, guys like AZ, AZ Jackson, guys uh, like Indiana Vasilev, guys like Sam Adeneron, who are right there as well. And, I, and I'd include that. If you want to say one of those three, your breakout player, I'm totally fine with that. Do you have a guy? I do. It's not one of those players. And I've been a champion of this guy Love for it. many months. And to the point where I felt like, at one point in this preseason, I was defending this player because of what we saw from him last year might not having risen to the expectations that people had when we first signed him, and that's Nukvi Thorson. I view Nukvi Thorson just like we saw Klaus in 2022 going into 2023. If you remember, Klaus is one of those players brought on for City 2 in 2022. He played a few games. He played against Leverkusen in that friendly and he didn't perform well. He had a, a myriad of injuries that he was fighting through. He was new to the team, learning the system. Yeah. And then 2023 happened, and he started to set the world on fire. He became a household name in St. Louis. And now I don't have those same expectations for Nukvi Thorson, but the idea of bringing a player on in the summer transfer window the year before with the sporting director saying very clearly, this is a long-term signing, looking to an eye towards 2023. You didn't need him to perform in 2023 like like he came on. You gave him some opportunities to play. You saw some good glimpses out of him, including the that FC Dallas game where he scored his goal. But now you're seeing 
two goals and an assist in preseason. You're seeing consistent performances, clinical finishing that Nuki Thorson has in this preseason, working with AZ Jackson, working with Indiana Vasilev, Salio Pompeu, and building up from midfields that he's going to play with in 2024. So what Nuki Thorson's role will be on this team is almost like what Sam Adeneron or Nico Joachini's was at the end of 2023. It's to complement Klaus. It's to complement that number nine striker. It's to be kind of roaming the outsides of the box, playmaking, being that chance creator, finding space, and helping to spread out the lines, playing off of the attacking wings. And we've seen positive glimpses so far, and I think it's going to carry on into the regular season. And I feel like, I mean, like you said, you're championing... Nuke V long before this preseason started. He's got the two goals, but that's I don't think that's the reason why you're calling him out. No, it's it's the idea of I mentioned a few minutes ago that we had eyes on Kojima, that we intentionally went out, we yeah. put the down payment on him on the GAM trade. We knew he'd take an international slot. Same kind of mindset with Nuke V Thorson. He was the signing of last transfer window. And he takes up an international roster slot. And we paid a pretty hefty penny by all reports on his transfer fee in the five to six hundred thousand dollar range. Those aren't those aren't small potatoes here for what you sign players for. That's he he's become one of the highest all in dollar players for St. Louis City, top five, top ten. And so I look for the productivity that we saw glimpses of in highlights that we saw from where he played in Iceland and from a lot of his experiences before he came here. Lutz had his eye on Nuki Thorson for quite a while. And for Nuki to be the first attacking signing made after our season started as this is a guy who can help us based on what we've been playing as so far, that says a lot. And it partially goes to the in Lutz we trust mindset yeah. that Lutz has brought on so many players being successful in this system. I think Nuki Thorson's the next one to break out. I feel like a guy I talked about a lot early last year was uh, Tomas Ostrock, and now year two with him in this system, I I feel like he's going to sneak up and have a, a good year and a, a productive year, and will make up some of those lost goals that went out the door with uh, with Nico. I think Tom, Tomas Ostrock has the chance to be the AZ Jackson this year in the sense that he might not start the year in that ideal starting 11 or that uh, potentially top starting 11 that you would come to mind with, but he'll be given chances consistently in games like U.S. Open Cup, possibly Champions Cup, and in regular seasons where we need uh, matches to rotate for fixture congestion. He'll get his chance. And once he finds a way to take his take his take the brass ring, essentially, right. and run with it the way that AZ did last year against the San Jose Earthquakes, then the sky's the limit for Tomas Ostrock because he has that ability. And I mentioned earlier he's been seeing time at the eight in the midfield. He can play both of the attacking wing positions. He has for St. Louis as far back as 22 with City 2. And to have that opportunity is only going to make everybody around him better. But you can, you can easily picture if Tomas Ostrock can take one of those spots – It's taking a spot from AZ, from Indy, Salio, Thorson. And the idea of Tomas Ostrock being elevated above any one of those players is exciting. Final uh, thoughts from you, Matt. And now zeroing in on Houston. Matchup here. First matchup on Tuesday. Then they'll turn around and play the following week. How does this uh, come together for St. Louis? Does this look like a favorable, fortuitous matchup for City? The first match being a home match is immediately favorable. 
by all accounts, Houston has Hector Herrera as questionable going into the match. And Hector Herrera, their midfielder who is the lifeblood of their team, without him, they're a different group. We played them and beat them last year without him starting. So if he doesn't play, I think the pendulum swings massively in City's favor. I still think either way, home field advantage, we talked about last year, drives a lot in MLS. And you have to say that City is looking in good position going just by nature of hosting this first match. You guys will be previewing in depth on Flyover Footy this week. What uh, What is on the agenda as we're just about ready for real here, man? Yeah, we'll have our CONCACAF Champions Cup preview. We'll talk about some final touches to preseason, but upcoming on this week's episode is our big 2024 MLS season preview. We're going to break down every single match in a sense of blocks of matches that we know the team loves to do. So how are they going to approach everything with CONCACAF Champions Cup, U.S. Open Cup in mind, and what can we look forward to, and what does success mean for this club? Because at the end of the day, success isn't just winning a playoff game. You have to be successful in your path to get there. So what does that path look like? It's fascinating and so much to uh, look forward to this year. And what does U.S. Open Cup look like this year? It's, it it's, still, like it changes, it's still hanging out there. It changes every day, it seems, now that MLS and U.S. Soccer are talking daily, it sounds. So who knows what that looks like. Man, I look forward to it. We'll check in next week. We'll, uh, we'll have our MLS season preview, hopefully get you and Phil in here, and we can, uh, we can chop it up a little bit. Always uh, enjoy the conversation, sir. Absolutely. Thanks for the time, Brendan. That's Matt Baker coming up. We'll hear from head coach Bradley Carnell at St. Louis. Uh, well, it's soccer in the loo, and we're loaded with City Talk tonight here on the Big 550. Now more Soccer in the Loo with Brendan Weesey and Matt Baker on the Big 550 KTRS. Brought to you by Royal Banks of Missouri and the Pitch Athletic Club and Tavern. Coach, um, I've, we've talked a little bit about how you're how you guys are preparing for next week, but just what kind of window can the Champions Cup and maybe advancing for a while, can that give you a look at, at how your team has responded in you know elimination games and in, in do-or-die situations um, that, uh, that maybe last year you, maybe you're taking a step from, uh, from a year ago? Yeah, we not even we haven't mentioned a word within these walls, and it's interesting you say that from last year. We don't think about last year at all, right? We move away, good and bad, uh, or you know, good and growing. <laughs> yeah, uh, we've moved on um, and at a rapid pace. So, how that turns out, I can't predict the future. I can't predict uh, you know what's going to happen, but I can tell you that the boys in the current moment are working their behinds off you know they're doing really well they you know adopting the new principles uh we've thrown things uh you know a couple of new nuances to our game in at them and uh, to be fair to them they've tried um and that's all i want to see as a coach so in terms of moving on and getting better yeah i mean that's always something that we you know reflect on but it's no more than that because we have a different group we have different chemistry things are happening you know in their own way right now um, and again it's not 2023 it's 2024 and uh, that's up to us now um, for sure it's nice to move on in elimination games it's nice to move on in a it's our competitive first game play to win the game that's the motto that's the mindset are, are, could there be an intangible that you look for out of the guys that that points you to something uh, in, in those spots that you would say okay I, I like what I see here what spots? 
in, in a in a an elimination game in a in a in a Champions Cup match relative to say MLS regular season. Competitive game. It's a competitive day, game. Uh, we've had competitive games in preseason now. Yes, there's a Champions Cup tag to it, but it's a com- another competitive game. Ninety minutes over two legs. You know. So um, again, our motto is win your next game, and uh, uh, that's what we're going to try and do. Last year's training camp, you've learned that the team could be competitive. Was there something you took out of this year's training camp that you learned about your team? Yeah, listen, I thought that uh, the leaders in the group um, took a step forward. Uh, I thought the messaging, I thought, uh, yeah, it wasn't, um, you know, the players owned certain things and the players owned... Uh, some topics of, of you know video sessions they've owned moments in trainings they've owned you know situations of, of improvement and uh, that's been really enjoyable to take in accountability and I've seen a big step forward in in accountability from this group and uh, you know I always say the less of you know the less of my voice is a good thing um, and I haven't had a ton to say so um, I'm very proud of this group the way they applied the preseason the, you know the effort they've put into um, again just has to translate now into into good performances on on the field in competitive games. So, yes, we're treating these games like uh, MLS games. We've treated these games uh, like progressions. We've treated these games like uh, fitness sessions and practice sessions. So everything all piled into one, and and to get us you know momentum. And I would call it that. You know, I think over four games now, uh, we've had some really good moments and and some really moments where we need to look at. And that's all part of the preseason. Um, you know, guys came in at different different kind of levels. Now we're kind of filtering through all of that, and guys are getting towards one one sort of uh, uh, level. Um, and from there, we can build on the same leadership group as last year, as far as you know, the leadership council. The, was it the five man? Was it five man plus? Kyle, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we're looking to add maybe one more in there, mm-hmm. so that'll be determined uh, over the next few days. But yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much the same for now. Talking about the progression, I mean, what's the progression then with the the Louisville game on whatever day that is, Thursday? Thursday. Yeah, we've made an arrangement with Louisville that we'll add um, uh, on some minutes at the end of it, so just to get guys all good minutes, you know, so, you know, you could see guys going 70 and then some guys going 45 or what have you, so, um, yeah, it's just uh, another progression from where we've been at, yeah. Mm-hmm. And coach, I think you've talked about the the score of these preseason matches so far, not really indicative of much. Is is there something in particular that you look at? Maybe you can see it in the tape. Maybe you don't see it right away. But from the preseason matches that tell you about the about the progress the club has made in these uh, these few weeks of camp. Yeah, like I said, last year we had to lump a lot of new terminology on the boys. We had to lump them a philosophy uh, that they weren't accustomed to, um, and now we've, you know, we've built foundations, and we've, we we year two. So I mean, uh, and there's a lot of the same faces in there. So part of it was just integrating the new players. Part of it was getting them up to speed, and part of it was getting them up to up to speed with minutes as well. So you know, we've invested time with video. We've invested time, you know, with meetings. We've invested time with games. So um, yeah, I think. Uh, the foundation element of it is very important for our progress and uh, putting us into good contention to hopefully come out, you know, the gates running. We talked to Chris Durkin today, coach. What's his acclimation to the group been like uh, on the field through training and and uh, how quickly has he been able to acclimate maybe relatives to some of the other new guys? No, he's been good. I mean, yeah, listen, he has a he has a physical tool that's that's a real weapon for him. You know, he has a presence about him, he has an engine about him too. So um, yeah, we've been working on a couple of things, um, you know, just in terms of our defensive structure and uh, yeah, he's been a good addition to the group. 
That'll be good to have Edu back in uh, in camp on the field. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, listen, I think Edu's lost a lot of time, you know, 10 days or whatever. He's done a, a bunch of work on his own, but you can never replicate the game form, you know, mm-hmm. if you're on your own in, in somewhere in waiting in Germany for a piece of paper. So, unfortunately, he'll, uh, you know, hopefully get up to speed over the next couple of days. And, um, yeah, there's a bit of ways to go with, with Edu. So we're going to work as much as we can to try and get him up, up to speed. And then and the flip side of that is that you still don't have Nielsen back too. You're still waiting on on him. Any optimism on when he'll be back? Uh, Thinking Wednesday, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. The last I heard was maybe Wednesday, Thursday. So right. something about that. Um, but again, I think uh, yeah, we're progressing. Michael Wenzel, all these guys have done really well to pick up the pieces. Everyone's done a great job. You know, wherever one guy was missing, everyone's done jumped in. You know, we've been playing guys in and out of position to to fulfill the spots, and yeah, they've done a great job. Is Wenzel a guy that could see playing time in these first couple of games when you have obviously you're down a center back? Yeah, not sure. I mean, mm-hmm. we just have to see what happens. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, Michael Wenzel is a great option. You know, that's why he's training with us. He spent the week uh, with us uh, or the two camps with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's still with us. So, you know, the longer he stays with us, I'm sure it's always a good sign. Yeah. Looks like Rasmus is doing more. Yeah, this was good. By far his biggest load with us today. Um, hopefully he came through unscathed. Uh, so, yeah, he's, he's training in the right direction. Coach, does it feel like it's coming up fast? I mean, a week from today we're, we're off and we're running. Yeah, listen, I feel in a way better spot, you know, than than a couple of weeks ago because you get in, you're just not sure. Things are a bit sluggish, things are a bit rusty, and you know, the minute now, you know, the January weather's out the window, and and you see this happening with us. I think, uh, yeah, the sun's shining on St. Louis, and and hopefully the performances uh, will reflect that as well. <laughs> yeah, the forecast for Tuesday is not not all that bad. I mean, as it stands right now. So that's, yeah. You know. That's good. I mean, yeah, listen, I wouldn't mind a, a 20, 20 degree day with guys coming from Houston, but no, <laughs> no all good. I mean, we're, we're going to be ready, by the way. Coach, thank you. Don't forget St. Louis Soccer Weekly, Friday night. In fact, we're moving back to two hours Friday from 6 until 8 o'clock here on the Big 550 KTRS. We'll see you then. Have a great night, everyone.